Welcome everyone to episode 166 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Dan Club to react to Liverpool's 2-1 win over Bournemouth. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So Liverpool are through to the last date of the Carabao Cup. They had to fight for it, but they were able to beat Bournemouth 2-1 away from home on Wednesday night. Cody Gakpo opened the scoring after half an hour. Bournemouth were able to level it midway through the second half, but then Darwin Nunez scored an absolutely spectacular winner off the bench. And it sets up a last eight tie against West Ham, but we'll come on to what awaits in this competition towards the end of the podcast. We're going to start by reflecting on last night's game. And there's only one place to start, Dan, and that's with the goal scored by Darwin Nunez. So mm-hmm. my three-year-head match review is, unsurprisingly, Darwin Nunez won the goal. I think it's probably the best he scored in a Liverpool shirt. For me, it beats out the back heel flick, whatever you want to call it, against Real Madrid in the Champions League, even though that one was obviously pretty spectacular as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a marker of how much he's improved. Obviously, we saw the touch that went astray, the jeers from the crowd, and then the best possible way to silence them. I think it's fair to say just an absolutely outrageous goal. And I never thought I'd cheer that loud at a Carabao Cup round of 16 game, but... Um, Darwin Nunez changed that and it's the first time I make it that he scored in three consecutive games as a Liverpool player so that's quite a big milestone and also just the third time that he scored the winning goal obviously he he came off the bench to do that against Newcastle earlier in the season so what would your three words be Dan and what was your take on that incredible strike from Nunez? Well, my three-word match review, and it's not really a match review, it's kind of more where I'm at in terms of Liverpool's season right now, I guess, um, but based on last night as well, is anything is possible, just because you mentioned it there, like, difficult circumstances in many ways, like, that's a game last season especially, I think we might have really struggled in because obviously the conditions were horrendous. We've seen obviously the players couldn't, even, I mean, I say couldn't even, like it's so such a hardship for them, but they couldn't fly back um, from Bournemouth last night. The flight was cancelled. But I just think the squad we've sort of assembled now, we were able to sort of make quite a few changes last night and go to a Premier League opponent in the cup. They're the sort of ties in previous years, barring the one where we did the double, of course, we found really tricky to sort of navigate. But the squad, like I say, we've put together now, even the lads coming in from sort of the fringes are capable of going there, putting in a performance and getting the job done, essentially. So I think we are seeing sort of the early signs of a squad that is capable of achieving quite a lot, really, whether it be this season or next. I think we, we've definitely got the sort of the ingredients, if you like, um, to do something very, very special. So that would be my sort of takeaway from the game but in terms of the game itself and the goal of course I mean Darwin Nunes the touch the touch isn't it is it let's be honest um, it's not it at all but the finish thereafter is absolutely sublime I agree with your sentiment that it probably is his best goal in Liverpool's shirt I think certainly when you factor in albeit Bournemouth compared to Real Madrid like we didn't end up going on we ended up getting hammered in the Real Madrid game actually so obviously that meant a lot more last night in terms of actually winning the game so yeah special moments um, you've said it there sort of silencing the critics once again um, but the quality on show is is out of this world it really is and it was interesting to me how obviously because of his poor touch he ends up sort of on the left wing essentially and it's sort of 
it's not a position he's not accustomed to. He did quite a lot of that for Benfica. He did a little bit of that for us last season as well. So it's almost as if he found himself there almost by accident. But once he was there, he was like, oh, yeah, I, I know what I'm doing here. Like, I've done this before. And the quality thereafter, the defender's got no chance. Keeper's got absolutely no chance. It's a high, high-quality finish. And we just see him. It was like a, a very small sample in a microcosm of like what we're seeing from Nunes now, because how often last season when things weren't going his way, would he shirk a little bit and then he'd almost, he wouldn't respond in that sort of manner. But in that 10 seconds there, he's got his touch wrong and instantly gone, not bothered about that, let's crack on and produce that level of quality. It's very Darwin Nunes, but it's very Darwin Nunes of this season because he looked the player last year so fragile in terms of his confidence that any little thing could break him. But now that was the complete opposite of that. It was like he's almost laughed off his own touch and gone, oh yeah, whatever, watch what I do now. So yeah, good times um, and a really solid performance from Liverpool last night, I thought, in what were pretty difficult circumstances. You know, as you were talking there, I was thinking I could have sworn that Nunez has kind of gone for that goal a couple of times and come quite close. And I think off the top of my head, in the opening game of the season against Chelsea, when it was 1-1, towards the end, he tries a shot that is very similar and actually ends up, I think it was just over the bar or just yeah. wide or something like that. And it looks like it was in for a second. So I don't know if that's one of them where he's sort of just fancied his chances of executing a goal like that. But, you know, we're, we're more used to seeing him convert from from close range and that, and that I think was the first time we've seen him really sort of um put one in from from long range and it was absolutely spectacular like I say and do you know I saw a um a TikTok yesterday um it was absolutely brilliantly edited of a game against Man City in the, in the League Cup last season when Nunez basically skewed a shot wide and um, when he was through on goal and then there was like a reverse angle of it and it's like a perfect transition to, to this season and the goal against Newcastle. It's the same angle, the exact same position, but obviously a very different result. And you just reminded me of it there, Dan, in terms of talking about how we're seeing a different yeah. version of Nunez this season. Um, if we look at the performance then, I mean, obviously you mentioned there about how solid it was. I mean, Klopp said that it was very much a night for getting the job done. I mean, obviously we saw the conditions. I can't recall too many Liverpool games played in sort of worse weather conditions. Um, in kind of Klopp's tenure, obviously there's been times where the pitch hasn't been great and things like that, but it was yeah, it was it was very challenging yesterday. I mean, Bournemouth, I think, played relatively well. I mean, they took it quite seriously. They only made three changes from their game against Burnley at the weekend, um, and they looked sort of maybe better than you'd expect of a team that looks like it's going to be in a relegation battle, battle this season. Um, and they had their chances as well, but. I, I think on the flip side, you could say Liverpool could have, have killed it off. They had a, a few counter attacks when it was 2-1 and um, where they could have made the scoreline a bit more comfortable. But I think in the end, 2-1 was probably a fair reflection. I mean, was that how, how you saw it, Dan? Because it probably wasn't a night where the performance itself will live long in the memory. But if Liverpool go on to, to obviously win this competition, it, it's a really important one to grind out almost. Yeah, of course it was, yeah. And I think, you know, Klopp said it there. I think I said something similar last night myself. It was a case of job done, really. And when you go to places like that against a team that are going to be up for it, especially in front of their home fans, it's easy for the manager and indeed the players to kind of not throw in the towel necessarily, but to rotate more heavily when you go away from home because the challenge is a little bit steeper and you haven't got, you know, 10, 15,000 of your own fans expecting the performance essentially. So I'm not surprised you went as strong as they did. And to go there and to do the job that we did in the weather, you were speaking about the sort of we haven't had 
them sort of conditions. I remember there was a game at Burnley, which was like the closest I think we've come to it. Um, I remember being proper windy that day. Um, but outside of that, I think you're right. I don't really remember too many games in such bad uh, weather conditions, to be honest. But yeah, in terms of performance, you're right. Not a game will talk, will live long in the memory. I don't think we'll be talking about it in even a week's time, essentially. But if it does mean something greater at the end of it, it'll be just another impressive step along the way, really. And when you factor in the amount of changes we were able to make, and obviously Van Dijk and Canate sat on the bench, they haven't kicked the ball in anger there last night. That's massively important, it really is. I think... Klopp would have liked to have had the luxury to sort of rotate more as the game wore on, I think. I think sort of maybe at the hour mark, had it been two, possibly even three nil, he would have liked to have gone, right, Timikas, off you come, Scanlon, etc. and stuff like that, and really sort of weakened, in inverted commas, the team that was out there just to get a few more lads, a bit more rest. But he wasn't able to do that because the game was on the knife edge, obviously Bournemouth equalised. But I do think... Overall, Liverpool were a better team and were definitely deserving of the victory. We had our chances. Even before we went 1-0, Harvey Elliott had a big chance um, arriving. Really good football, actually, from us. Probably the best football we put together all night, to be fair. Um, and Elliott neither did one thing nor the other. He could have smashed it, he could have placed it, and he didn't do either, really. It was a bit of a tame effort in what was a good performance from Elliott, generally. I think Sabozlai had a chance as well from the edge of the box where he nearly found the corner. But I think, sort of, like I say, on balance of play, Bournemouth will feel they gave it a go, but their chances, I mean, set pieces were a bit of a nightmare. Joe Gomez did well once or twice from them, but their sort of moments came in moments, like they have like one every 10, 15 minutes for argument's sake, whereas we, in terms of sort of balance and momentum, were very much on the front foot for a lot of the game. So I think Klopp will be happy. I do. Like I say, I think he would have rather killed earlier to made those changes I mentioned, but other than that, not much you could really ask for other than a good win and seemingly no problems arising from it either. Yeah, and it's obviously a bit of a dangerous game, that one as well with the conditions. You know, sometimes players can sort of slip and they're a bit out of control for challenges and things like that. So if we have kind of come away from it unscathed, then I think you've got to be extra pleased about that really. Um, and yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you on the performance. I think um, it was just a case of, getting over the line and it's a game that we might sort of look back on. It's interesting that you mentioned with the changes and stuff like Klopp probably went a little bit stronger than I thought with his starting lineup, but he also went stronger with the bench. I thought, mm. you know, Scanlon was the player you picked out. I think he was the only kind of yeah. young talent on the bench. Obviously we had, we had Kwanzaa on the pitch as well, but he, he is taking it more seriously than he might've done in previous years. And I think that was kind of part of the reason that it seemed like Liverpool were, really being aggressive with their changes because you know a lot of the players on the bench were the sort of the top quality main stars um, and I think that showed that he was sort of like we'll put out a relatively strong first lineup and then if we need to we've got the quality on the bench and obviously that did make the difference in the end with Nunez it's not always easy to pick out a man of the match when the performance isn't sort of especially memorable but who who was it who kind of stood out most for you that last night yeah, pretty easy for me, to be honest, mate. I think Javel Conter was outstanding. Yeah. I really do. Honestly, I think he was absolutely superb. Um, I was on watch along duty last night and somebody commented after about the hour mark, basically, saying that Conter hadn't been at it and it blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. The fourth of the first hour, he was brilliant. And it was interesting because for the final half an hour, everything he did was just outstanding. Honestly, I think he was brilliant. I really do. I think positionally, he was on it. Um, I think use of the ball was brilliant as well. He carried the ball out of defence a lot as well, a bit Joel Matip-esque, obviously the player alongside him. But for 
for somebody so young, obviously only 20, and with such little senior experience now, I think he played 16 times at Bristol Rovers. I think that was his fourth start for Liverpool last night. That was a, a, a properly mature performance, it really was. And we mentioned the conditions there. They're obviously a big factor, certainly when you're playing at the back, because mistakes uh, they're almost inevitable in a game like that in those type of in those type of conditions but he didn't make any he was sublime there's one moment where he kind of got caught in possession but he ended up winning the foul so even then he sort of manages to get his way out of it i just thought he never put a foot wrong all night a couple of moments defensively there's one inside his own six yard box quite late on and he positions himself brilliantly and almost navigates his header over the bar superb as well which Kelleher was made up about and there's a moment even later when he has to get across and kind of sniff out an attack and he does it brilliantly again gets right across makes a big challenge kills the danger dead I just thought he was brilliant honestly I really do and alongside Obviously, Simica, sort of our backup left back, not the most vocal, it doesn't appear, on the pitch. Likewise, Joel Matip. I think for all Joel Matip's qualities, I don't think leading a back four is necessarily one of them. But Kwanzaa absolutely stood up to that challenge last night. And against a Bournemouth side that causes problems in the past, obviously they beat us there last year. And Solanke, he's been, he's been bang on form, really, for, to be fair, ever since he left Liverpool, essentially. He's really sort of reignited his career. And he came up against him once or twice last night in a couple of moments, and Kwanzaa handled it brilliantly. And then Kiefer Moore comes on, and you know, Kiefer Moore isn't going to beat you with blistering pace, but he is going to make life difficult for you. And again, he deals with him superbly. So he's just showing he's got the lot for me. And it's interesting because I've had many conversations about Quanta now with different people. And some people compare him to Van Dyke and sort of his type of defender. I liken him more to Matip, to be honest. But the fact we've been having those conversations says a lot about the lad's ability. And the fact he's kind of, he's come from nowhere, essentially. I don't think anybody really expected this rise from him. I think a lot of people, myself included, were talking about perhaps a championship loan and we need to maybe go into the market for Defender instead. But clearly they've seen something in pre-season or with his time at Bristol that's made them go, do you know what? We can't get whatever option we want for whatever reason, but we're going to put all our faith in you. And at the minute, he's repaying it. He has taken this opportunity with both hands. And I think last night was his best performance to date. And I honestly think in what was a relatively strong side, as you mentioned, I think he stood out above the rest. I really do. It was a proper, proper, genuine top-rate performance. Yeah, I think that that last thing you said there about kind of coming from nowhere is really important too because even when it looked like he was going to stay at Liverpool, no one was really talking about Kwanzaa as kind of a serious first-team option this year. But he's exceeded, I think, all expectations, maybe even his own, maybe even Jürgen Klopp's. um, And he has been really impressive. And, I think probably the, the thing that reflects best on him is that there was so much talk in the summer of how costly it would be that Liverpool didn't sign a centre-back. And don't get me wrong, there's still plenty of the season to go and that might still prove to be an issue. But, you know, we are into November now and that conversation isn't really cropping up again. I think that is largely down to how well Kwanzaa's has done when he stepped in in those cup games and, to his credit, in the Premier League as well. Um, I actually think that I know this is a slightly rogue shout, but the player who probably impressed me most was probably his partner, Joel Matip, who I thought actually had quite a, a strong game under the radar. He won every duel, made four interceptions, 35 out of 38 passes, which is no mean feat in, in those conditions, including three out of four long balls. And I think I kind of agree with you, Dan, in the sense that I don't know if he's necessarily the most natural defensive leader, but it was a solid partnership yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I think someone who struggled so much. I mean, we've talked a lot, obviously, 
um, on various platforms about how Van Dijk is back to his best this year and a couple of other players who struggled last season too. But I also think Matip is pretty much there as well, which is important considering Liverpool have placed a faith in him in what might prove to be the final year of his contract. Um, I want to move on to the, the Carabao Cup picture more generally in a second. But before that, we should probably talk about a few other players who impressed us last night for various reasons. So is there anyone else that you think deserves a mention, Dan? Yeah, um, I think Harvey Elliott, to be honest, he's definitely a conversation piece from last night in so much as having had a really bright half an hour. I think he was so, so busy. And kind of what we've seen from him in his half an hour was from the bench. I think he was getting involved in a lot of stuff defensively and attackingly, by the way. I think he was very active, um, generally speaking. And he did well in both departments as well. But it was mainly from sort of set pieces where he was the one sort of planted on the edge of the box, keeping the ball alive, or indeed sort of stopping their counter-attacks. And he did both brilliantly, I thought. And obviously, he's the one who fires the ball back into the danger zone for the goal. So, I mean, get a good opening half an hour, possibly even opening 45 minutes. Faded a little in the second half, but I thought Bournemouth came out stronger than us. And what was so interesting about Elliot's performance, in a way, he was very good. But then it was the reaction when he got taken off that sort of caught my eye the most, to be honest. And we haven't really seen any of that from Harvey Elliott yet. And I did wonder sort of where that stemmed from. There's obviously a sort of a school of thought that perhaps it was because he felt like he was playing well himself and he knows his opportunities are going to be limited. So when he is playing and when he is playing well, he wants to stay on the pitch. Um, Maybe it's because he didn't manage to sort of influence the game or the game wasn't dead when he did come off. Or just because he knows that, like I say, he's not probably going to be starting the weekend. So an element of frustration there. And like I say, we haven't, I don't think it meant a lot. I don't think sort of it's a massive, or oh, what was all that about kickoff. But because by the looks of it, in sort of 10 minutes time, he kind of calmed down again. But like I say, we haven't seen any of the lads really get annoyed by that sort of thing for quite some time. So it was an interesting little point that I noticed. But outside of Elliot, I think most lads had a solid game. I've been spectacular, to be fair. I think it was good to get Gakpo back on the pitch and get more minutes into him, get his goal, which is doing probably the world a good confidence-wise as well. And um, Buster Bosley was actually quite quiet, to be honest. Um, I think maybe out of position didn't necessarily suit him. He, he couldn't get into the game as I'd have liked. Endo had another step-in-the-right-direction type performance for me as well. I was pleased with him. Um, outside of that, I think Curtis Jones is going for a bit of a weird patch as well, to be honest. I know we're talking about people who impressed us, but I think it's been a strange few weeks for Jones. Obviously, inflicted predominantly by the suspension in the Premier League because he was on the crest of a wave in terms of his form start of this season. And I think the the three-game ban has done him no favours, which I suppose makes a lot of sense. But his performances since, when he has been dropped into Europe and indeed the Carabao Cup, just haven't been at it. And I think last night, albeit fine, I don't think he was quite at it again, to be honest. So it'd be interesting to see, leading into the weekend, what that means, because I do wonder whether Gravenberch has stolen a march, potentially, on Curtis Jones. But yeah, like I say, it wasn't a performance sort of filled with high quality before, high quality levels from Liverpool. But yeah, I think Elliot probably the one who caught my eye the most, but it was intriguing as to how he reacted to being taken off. Yeah, I think the Jones-Gravenberch dilemma is the biggest one heading into the game against Luton and it's really I think whether Klopp goes with the the more trusted option or whether he goes with sort of the player who's maybe in better form at the moment and you're right it has been a strange period because he kind of hasn't been able to play in the Premier League but started against uh, Toulouse in the Europa League and then obviously started yesterday so disrupted his rhythm a little bit and in terms of other players to mention 
I think, you know, you, you've touched on Endo and Gakpo already. The other one I'd say is Kellera, to be fair. And yeah. he, made, he made five saves yesterday. And I don't think there was any of them that were particularly spectacular, but it was so easy to, like, parry a ball out right into the path of the attacker um, last night. And he, he managed to handle the ball very well, I thought, in those circumstances. And obviously the distribution, you can't really sort of, I think he did okay, but you can't really look into that too much when the wind was swirling through the stadium like it was. And to be fair, I think I saw one or two people on Twitter questioning him for the goal, but I, I kind of wonder if he was fouled there as well, to be honest. Like, he, he tries to kind of move across to intercept it, and it's just a player kind of... I don't, I don't necessarily know if it's a foul or whether it's impeding or whether it's just unfortunate, but I'm, I'm not really looking at it and saying, you know, the, the keeper can do better there. Um, so I thought he had a decent night. I... I when he was playing against Toulouse, I thought he could have done better for, for their goal. But that was a strong return to form for him yesterday, even though he wasn't able to get the clean sheet that he obviously would have wanted. Okay, so to finish off then, let's talk about the draw for the quarterfinals, which pits Liverpool against West Ham at Anfield. We've seen Arsenal go out. We've seen Man United go out, although um, as a... One of my colleagues at work, James Martin, said this morning it probably would have been better for Newcastle to go out uh, from the Liverpool perspective. But Liverpool look like clearly the strongest team left in this competition. Obviously, City have gone out in a previous round. Tottenham have too. With the draw, Dan, and with the the lay of the land for, for this you know quarterfinal stage, it looks like Liverpool have got a golden chance to, to go and win this tournament for the second time under Klopp. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought it opened up the previous round, it's opened up massively so now for Liverpool. Um, obviously, there's still some good teams in it, of course, who are and sort of proven winners of trophies, certainly in Chelsea's um, case. But yeah, I think we should definitely be going into this now, looking, to, if we weren't anyway, to be honest with you, we should definitely be going into these latter stages as heavy favourites and with a view to, to getting the first trophy on the board, which is an interesting little element to all of this, of course, because we've all been singing the praises in recent weeks of Liverpool 2.0 and just what it looks like and how excited we all are again to be Liverpool fans, of course, after what was a pretty unexciting season last time out. But getting that first trophy on the board, it's still February, the Carabao Cup final, something insane like that. So getting that done and dusted will be a good statement and it will sort of breed confidence in the squad as well, in the group. Not that they're lacking it anyway, but that first piece of silverware could merely sort of ignite and kick on your season if you need it at a really good time as well just before the business end and the running so yeah I think there's a massive opportunity for Liverpool to um, to get that first trophy in the cabinet in this new era of the side of the squad indeed and I don't really see why not you mentioned obviously West Ham that feels like a, a decent enough test but they're probably likely to have European football still I would imagine um, sort of in their eye line by then so where they're at in their season will be interesting they're going to be pretty pretty well worked similar to what we are and I'm not quite sure they've got the same depth as us um, as for Newcastle yeah they're going to pose a threat in any competition I think this season but their squad likewise is getting a little bit threadbare at the moment I noticed he lost I think it was Matt Target came off last night obviously Tenali is now absent for quite some time so in that very hectic Christmas period which is when these next games will come it'd be interesting to see how they all cope with that to be honest and like I mentioned earlier I think Liverpool have got a squad now that allows us to suitably rest and rotate in these competitions and still put a side strong enough out there to win the game. And that's been the that's been Man City's sort of strength in this for so many years. People have lauded Guardiola of how seriously he's taken the competition and on the other hand criticised Klopp. 
certainly during his early tenure for not taking it seriously. But it wasn't really the case. It was just a case of a little bit of luck with a draw or bad luck with a draw in our case and not having the depth at your disposal. Like Guardiola, it's easy to win the Carabao Cup when you can make 11 changes and most of your draws are Burton Albion away. Like that's pretty straightforward. But when Liverpool and you can't make them changes and you get Wolves away on a Friday night, that's FA Cup, but still it's not that easy. You know what I mean? So I think for us now, it's definitely opened up nicely. And as I say, it'd be a really positive thing to happen because who knows we might still be in the FA Cup by then we could be in the very last stages of Europa League we should be to be honest we might still be in a title race so getting that first trophy and it'll be a first for some of the new lads at the club as well will be a massive massive thing for me so I'm all in on the Carabao Cup at this point not just because I like silverware but because of the way the draw's gone and the way the tournament's panned out I think we'd be foolish not to just go and win it which sounds that simple and I know it isn't but why not yeah, I mean, when you look at it, obviously Chelsea and Newcastle play each other as well, which is a good thing for Liverpool. And the odds are you're going to have to beat one of those two teams to win it. I think, you know, obviously West Ham is not not the easiest draw Liverpool could have got by any stretch, but I think you take you take that at home um, nine times out of ten, really. Um, when you look at the teams that were in the hat and, you know, there's obviously a possibility that Liverpool play Everton as well before the end of this competition. You know, Everton have got, I think they've had a nice run of it. They've got Fulham at home in the yeah. next round. Um, so who knows whether that could be a semi-final or even a potential final because, you know, there's there's a world where there's a semis of Liverpool, Chelsea or Liverpool, Newcastle and Port Vale versus Everton or something like that. You know, it's a it's a strange draw in that sense. Um, but I do think that really, when you look at it from the Liverpool standpoint, you're going to have, if you can get through this, you're either going to have a really difficult semi-final or obviously facing a top team in the final, but one of those games you're going to actually be pretty heavy favourites for as well. So we'll see how it pans out. Obviously, Liverpool have got a job to do before that. And as West Ham showed against Arsenal yesterday, they're definitely a side who has to be taken seriously. But we will leave it there for today's podcast. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back after the game against Luton at the weekend. But in the meantime, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please do give us a five-star review. Give us a follow and also press the notification button for all of our episodes. But yeah, like I said, we'll be back at the weekend for our post-Luton episode. But until then, take care.